This week on the Itty Bitty Podcast, my guest is one of my best friends, Um, but side note, I'm going to pause here. Before I get too far, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. So this guy was in my wedding, but he also has a new horror film releasing October 18th. Keith Schaefer is a producer, actor, and production coordinator on Habitual. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about what the movie Habitual is about in this podcast, um, but it opens in select theaters, so it'll be in Showcase Cinemas. Um, That's Patriot Place, which is, I believe, um, like near Mansfield, Massachusetts, but I think he says it during the show, Lowell and Revere, Massachusetts. So if you're in that area and you love horror, make sure you check it out. Um, So we talked uh, about a lot of stuff, including a little about how we met um, in college. We talked about his life and recovery, and we talked about his role in the film, among other things. But, and I say this every week, This is not a podcast about the new film Habitual in select theaters October 18th. This is the Itty Bitty Podcast. It's anything but, and it starts now. Welcome to the Itty Bitty Podcast! Happy Halloween. It's the Itty Bitty Podcast. All right, so welcome to another episode of the Itty Bitty Podcast. What the fuck was that? Jesus, you're killing me. (laughs) Whatever, it's cool. Uh, Sorry, well, my guest today is... This could be one of my uh, buddies' episodes, but we actually have something to talk about. It's it's actually all good. I just sent him the press release for the movie, and he was helping me edit it. So, oh no, I'm just fucking around. It's we we. I told you this is in no way professional on this fucking podcast. I told podcast. all my friends it is professional, so we have to act that it is. Oh, I mean, it's professional in the sense that it is it exists, <laughs> but I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's loosely I professional. Hyped, I, mean, I hyped this whole thing up like I'm actually going to be doing something. So like, we have to make it. We have to make it legit. No, we're gonna. We're no, we're gonna have a. It's gonna be a good podcast. I've just known you forever, so it's yeah. like a lot of these I do with people that I've known a little while, or people that I've you know just met for the first time during doing the podcast. But um, I've known you for what since college? How many years has that been now? Thirteen. 13 years this guy was in my wedding so my guest today i've already said it in the intro but my guest today is keith schaefer um good friend of mine good buddy we've been together we've been together (laughs) been together (laughs) we've been together and dating for fucking 13 years or some shit uh but yeah really good friend so it's gonna be with this podcast we're gonna get through it for sure but we do have stuff to talk about it's is uh halloween is this month so in keeping with that spirit we're gonna talk about keith's got a movie coming out um i know very little about this movie i've been following it for a long time but i've been checking out you know the trailer i know that there was a name change so we'll get into all that stuff um in a little bit but 
let's start with um i mean we could get into how i know you and everything we met at college yeah should we start with that story that's a good story to kick off that is a good story to kick off i feel because of how far we have both come since then yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i'd say um i'd say it was um i know i mean yeah we can so like the first time I ever met you, actually, I was very intimidating or intimidated by you. It was in the locker room on the first day of football camp. And uh, I was there like early. And I remember you were standing there in like a G unit tank top. <laughs> like, the sp- like the actual ones they used to have. Um, and like I know you, no one can really see us on the podcast, but I'm like six three two thirty, and Perry isn't. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not intimidating at all. But I'm like a little guy. I remember not a little guy, but you found out that like you couldn't that like you had to like live on campus for training camp, and we're just like fuck this, I'm out, and <laughs> just left. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just looking for an excuse to not play football anymore. I think that was really what it was. But yeah, I walked in on the first day of training camp, met the coach. I was like, this guy's a dick. It was the the original coach, not the one that took over. I probably would have stayed if the second coach who took over. Um, I lost you. I don't know what's going on, but no, no, I'm going to keep I'm, talking. I'm, I'm, I'm still assuming there. you're yep. still there. I just can't see your beautiful face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I walked in in that G-Unit beater. I mean, I was like what 225 at the time like actually sh- like working out and, yeah. and had some muscles but yeah, all the and like now i'm like 185 brockton all of that good stuff and, <laughs> and, and then i quit immediately i promptly i promptly walked in and did the fucking the abe simpson when he walks in and walks out that little gif yeah i did that whole thing just, just walked in walked right back out Pretty but much. but that was i'm just actually talking about the other thing that happened oh, yeah. when we met well, that that's more first. this podcast speed. That was the first when I was struggling to smoke weed. By oh like, yeah, so with- that was we <laughs> that was in one of our mutual friends' rooms, um, in Villa or whatever that uh, that residence hall was, um, and you were trying to make a gravity bong out of a water bottle and failing like miserably. Me, yeah, failing all being, types of miserability. Me being the former weed connoisseur that I am, and marijuana engineer, um, I came up with a very simple solution that we should just go smoke a blunt. <laughs> with yeah, that worked a lot better. And um, so I think I'm like, anybody have aluminum foil, yeah. rubber band, <laughs> an apple? It's like, bro, like let's just go smoke an L. And uh, so we proceeded to do that um, on a bridge with the only black kid at Stonehill <laughs> that wasn't on the football yeah. team. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Jared Allen. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I remember, I think we parted ways at that point, but we had exchanged info and you reaching out to me the next day about how you encountered a rodent on the way back. No, I think I reached out to you that night. Yeah, I think I reached out to you that night because I was like, I was like, fuck, I just met this guy. But 
was like, I'm too stoned. There's a, 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 I almost said squirrel, a skunk. There was a skunk and there was a bridge. <laughs> and the thing was right in the middle of the bridge where I needed to go. And I was too high to deal with that skunk at that time. So I had to call you and I'm like, bro, I, get, I need help. I need help right now. I had to sit there. I think I waited like 10 minutes for and that to fucking fair, thing to move. And then. <laughs> And then say that again it. and then so like that was kind of no and then yeah so like that was that was kind of like the beginning of a lot of blacking out for the both of us <laughs> mainly me yeah um <laughs> yeah i mean you you earned your nickname blackout but you've you're that's all i mean you've come a long way since then so i think well, that's the important i actually part. Ironically enough, I spoke at an AA meeting the other night and I brought up a lot of what we are talking about right now about how like every weekend in college, I blacked out like religiously, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like literally, like I probably should have known then that like it wasn't the right thing for me to be doing because no, you, yeah, you all, I mean, (laughs) We yeah, yeah every weekend we would go hard but you would be on like some other Just level another, yeah, I would show up <laughs> I'd show Which up and be like Keith what what are you doing you're like oh I did some promethazine some fucking up or some downers and so yeah. I'm like oh, okay that's cool I'll but just like take even, one please yeah like even with all that stuff mixed in even if it was like uppers or other powders that would make you awake I still would somehow figure out how to black out so like that's why. I now sit here six and a half months completely sober because uh, I should have taken the hint at a young age, but that's not for me. So, well, congratulations! I'm very proud of you. I'm glad that you're doing well. Yeah, I mean, and I honestly, yeah, you, you, the best thing for you is to to you know kind of reevaluate your whole situation. I mean, I've seen you before where you're like, oh, I could have smoke weed and and do this and do that, and and then yeah. you always seem to fall back into that. Yeah, so. well, I mean, that's, that's you know, like, once you learn a little bit about all of this, like, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of weed smokers that listen to the podcast, and, like, weed is not evil. Like, the best analogy I can make is, like, it's, like, a, a person that has, like, diabetes cannot eat, like, like anything, like, sweet, right? Like, and the cake is not, like, evil to me and you, but to that person, they have that reaction to it so it's just like with alcohol or anything mind-altering for someone that is an addict uh it's just not a good reaction so uh it took you know 13 years to learn that but yeah you know so now you're six and a half months sober yeah completely nothing i mean i work out and stuff like that but and like i always had that in me but uh you know i you know, and we'll kind of talk about it with the movie, but, you know, the opiate epidemic obviously ravaged the country, but especially up here in Massachusetts, man, like I just had to go to a wake two weeks ago for another kid. It's like the 30th person that I know. So like, I definitely got into those when I was in college, uh, you know, playing football and getting hurt. It's like a really easy intro, especially back in 2006 where there was no epidemic and they used to freehand uh the prescription shit so much so like you know getting introduced to that and then i stopped doing opiates when i was 23 
and like worked no sort of recovery program but just like since i wasn't doing opiates i thought that everything else on the roster was okay and like that use exacerbated to like the point of this year when i was like you know what you know there was the commonwealth of massachusetts had a little bit of an intervention with it <laughs> um uh but i won't get into the 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 specifics there but it honestly is what you know it was the lowest i was willing to to reach in my life as far as all that goes and i just wanted a way out and i had been trying to do it for so long and like i knew that i had issues the last couple of years especially while making the movie the movie has a very um a very you know kind of like a, a scared straight approach um it is an <laughs> just a call coming in hold on me yeah we're good um <laughs> shit's annoying i know i just put my shit no, on it'll stop good. there in a second <laughs> wait. no but like uh, it's on do not disturb i don't know why the fuck this thing's won't. coming through it's very disturbing <laughs> right now <laughs> <laughs> it's a spirit dude it's a ghost just pretend Literally. it's a ghost that's all you gotta do yeah all right um, it's done but yeah no so there's a big like anti you know um anti like drug undertone in the movie which is always something that like you know kind of like sort of like I, I i've been trying to use my like platform uh through like a non-profit and a lot of other stuff for years to try to raise awareness about opiates and like alternatives and like i'm very pro medical marijuana and everything and all of that you know obviously for a lot of people it is a huge medicine um and it works for so many people but um you know as i discovered like for people like me it just i have to do the total abstinence there's no one right way to recover if you got to do medicated assisted like treatment if you got to smoke weed if you got to like whatever you have to like do to keep you away um and but like you know for me my life was still unmanageable uh using any other substance whether it be prescribed to me or not so you know sometimes you've just had enough and uh i had had enough so and you've definitely seen me like your wedding was awesome but i was <laughs> that was like, oh you were a sweaty mess <laughs> right dude because i i mean certain substances make you do that and like but dude like alcohol man was the main thing at the end because it's legal it's easy to get your hands on it's the only one that's like socially accepted as well so like, you don't have to explain right. why you're using it it's weird it's the only thing you have to explain to people why you aren't not using it it's like a weird and you get the most belligerent the most like impulsive the most you know, when you're drinking alcohol, you're not really thinking about anything. No. And yet you see it, you can get it anywhere. anywhere. It's, you know, it's readily available and it's promoted. You watch football. Like I remember hearing some story about how they were trying to get medical marijuana ads for the Super Bowl and they, they shut them down. Yep. And then every two seconds you're watching a commercial for Bud Light yeah. or, you know, fucking Spike Seltzer, it's whatever wild. bullshit trend they've got over you. <laughs> It really is wild and like living in, you know, like now that I'm on this end of it, like, uh, you know, but like that's the thing too, like for most people, there are, there are a lot more people than you think that have a problem and that would, you know, I guess 
qualify as an alcoholic. I mean, the main way that they describe it is if it makes your life unmanageable. So like if you're, you know, if you're working all day and all you can think about is getting to the liquor store after work or like you're an all-star like me where like you wake up and you drink a couple nips in the morning and then a, a, a couple at lunch and you're using other shit to level out, I mean, yeah, you should probably probably do a little bit of a moral inventory and uh, and see where you can switch that but um yeah i mean uh you know we just had the freedom rally up here again which is like the longest running uh cannabis prohibition or anti-prohibition rally now that it's all legal it worked um but uh this is the first year that i did not go because you know, that's still the one thing that, like, I do have a reservation about that, like, one day maybe I can smoke again. And, like, who knows? Maybe. Um, and, but, like, you know, that's what's kind of always pulled me back in. So, for right now, we're keeping it off. Keeping it off. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do yeah. to keep yourself on the straight and narrow. And that's why it's um, also in, like, it's 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 also, also personal because I know plenty of people that still smoke weed and it works for them so right Right. it's really up to the individual when it you weren't big and you never did like psychedelics on a regular basis so like towards the end when i was on probation and like because a lot of it too with like addiction and i think this stuff is important to be said out loud because like people have has nothing to do with the amount or how much you use. It's the obsession in your head that like will not go away no matter what. It's just an obsession for more, more, more. And like that obsession gets so bad that like you can't like concentrate on anything. Like I wouldn't be able to go like, so like at the end of it, like when you're like really in the throes of it, you're not even really like getting high anymore. Like I was eating a lot of substances psychedelics included because they couldn't drug test me for them and like eating them like casually on like a Wednesday afternoon like eating a bunch right. of like, acid like wh- I don't know why you'd ever want to do that like if you have ever done acid it is not like a casual thing. right it's not a Wednesday <laughs> drug like, it's not like we'll go do some laundry yeah <laughs> or like or like going to work or like going to do right. a podcast or like Dude, like I got, I got, you know, before we premiered the movie last year, because we did a, a rough premiere in IMAX um, in Reading on October 30th. And like, dude, before that, like a couple weeks before I got into a run in with the Commonwealth <laughs> um, <laughs> of Massachusetts. And then even that wasn't enough to stop me. Like, I remember like before the premiere, like just and like. A lot of times you try to maintain appearances also. So like, you know, I I may only have like one or two like beers in front of everyone, but like what I had before that and what I will have after that, that's, that's really what it's all about. And it's all just trying to quiet that obsession. So like, that's honestly like the best part about where I am now and like through working a program. And again, like this all to some people is going to sound so foreign, but like that obsession just somehow is removed and like I don't miss it at all and um you know once you have some clarity and everything that happens so hopefully somebody listening to this 
can realize that like it's a lot more common than we all realize and just because you're not out shooting heroin doesn't mean you don't have a problem so so to segue into the film yeah because that's the main reason we're gonna do this i've been wanting to get you on the podcast anyway um so the the movie is called habitual yes it is so um Uh, it was called the habit originally but and I noticed that it's got a lot of themes, like as far as like the uh, opioids and like you know imagery as far as needles and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and the director is Johnny Hickey. Is that yes? It is the director's name. So this is his follow-up film to Oxymorons, which came out in 2012 and is still relevant today. Like it's on Amazon Prime. It's on Xfinity. Um, you know that. Um, Johnny did oxymorons and this is kind of a cool story so he did that in 2012 and I got clean from opiates in 2012 and watching his movie was like one of the things that I watched and I was like this is really like the world that I'm headed to if I don't clean up my shit so like uh, that movie is still relevant you know as of right now with the epidemic and everything and And for people who haven't seen it what can you give a quick rundown uh, oxymorons is basically the real life version of what went on in charlestown during the early 2000s i mean it is a biography essentially like the names are changed and the characters some people are like merged into each other um but the story of what happens it's about these two brothers um who discover what oxycontin is and the power behind it and they start robbing pharmacies they start pumping it into the streets and their whole lives like you know, like, uh, like crumble around them. Um, it really is one of the few movies that actually showcases the horrors that come with active addiction and how people will fucking sell out their family, their friends, you know, and the only thing that comes with that lifestyle is either like, uh, is not anything positive. Um, so, you know, I watched that and I was honestly kind of like, you know, it was kind of like a wake up call that like, cause like there were certain behaviors that obviously like they, they are told on a much larger scale, but it was certainly like things that I could see I had been like doing in my life. Uh, not on the scale of like robbing a pharmacy or like murdering a friend or something like that, but just like the symbolism behind it. I mean, that's what a lot of movies are, even though they may have a true undertone, it's all symbolism and it's it's all a metaphor um so that movie having such an anti-drug undertone and the success it has had and having such a profound effect on me like i ended up meeting johnny at the greatest bar in 2013 just randomly um it was actually with mike wilson the night it happened um he's been on the show yeah no yeah that's why i mean and that's mm-hmm. kind of how we met honestly that's i guess how we got kind of i introduced yeah, you to him yeah that's how i yeah. met mike um because you guys used to have a recording studio together somehow <laughs> <laughs> i've seen the promo pictures man Thanks you have to go back videos. to episode like four or five to hear those stories yeah so. <laughs> no i'm yeah so uh but I had met Johnny and, you know, I come from electronic music. Like I, um, you know, when Perry and I went to college, I majored in communications at Stonehill, ended up working for the Travel Channel after it. And then I started to shoot 
a lot of live music out here in Massachusetts, New York, like, uh, and a lot of elect the electronic music was huge to me at the time. Um, and so, uh, like Johnny also has a big, big spot in his heart for electronic music. He's more of like a, like nineties underground, like rave kid. I'm more of the like new age of EDM. And that's really the first thing that we like bonded over besides the movie. But like, so I met him as like a fan, but like we bonded over the EDM like passion that we had. Um, I think the next night I was shooting at Shrine in Connecticut with TBMA and I forget who else was there, but like, I think there were like, that's something that we had this, like that we had uh, like talked about in the fact that I was working in that. And then, so we kind of, you know, he kind of told me like to take his info and that he'd hit me up. And like, I thought I was like, no way is that ever going to happen. And then like the next day, sure enough, he hit me up. Um, and then like we got lunch the week after that and then just like we started working together and like we've always been amazed he and i you know there's not many movies with raves in them at all um blade is the only one the opening of that movie when he is at the vampire rave is pretty much like the inspiration behind this whole movie um was blade yeah or or just that just that one opening that's one scene when, when they're at okay. that rave just because it's the only dude like if you watch movies there besides the one with fucking zach efron we are your friends or whatever there is no movies that show rave culture there's nothing about edm it's really not like it's used in movies but like it's not it's not highlighted and it's a relevant it's it's a huge part of our culture from like the 80s till now um mm. now it's so mainstream like a lot of people never thought it would uh would reach this level so like with habitual basically you know we shot so johnny and i had met we had started to work on some stuff for a nonprofit. he and i uh are both met uh he and I kind of co-founded a nonprofit called uh, Film Intervening Getting High Team, where we produce a lot of anti-opiate pro-recovery content. Um, we raise a lot of money for people affected by the opiate epidemic. Um, CP is also involved in that with us. He won a bunch of money on the challenge for it. So, you know, in October of 2016, we had just, Johnny and CT had reconnected that summer CT had finally resurfaced after taking a little bit of a hiatus from the challenges. And then we, uh, we did a charity tour, Johnny and I, for the Hangover Pub, uh, where we raised a bunch of money for the nonprofit. And then, uh, you know, we had kind of always kind of had the idea to do like a rave movie. So first we were like, all right, cool. Like we'll make this movie about a rave in an old mental hospital. Cause like, people all over throw raves in like random ass like places like old like warehouses and everything so we're like all right cool like what would be interest you know what would be uh interesting and also like cool to put in a movie so we did it and we said all right cool like we'll do a rave at an old like like mental hospital and then like all the kids will like go and like they'll take molly but like it won't be molly it'll be like something weird because like when i was shooting edm I would see kids overdose all the time from Molly, right. from like taking 
way too much Molly and not being hydrated and then they fucking just overdose and it was horrifying. So like having all these, you know, my personal experiences and his, we put together like a rough screenplay. We knew that C, that CT wanted to be involved in the project. Um, Johnny and CT. And that's CT from the real world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real world. Yeah. That's him. Okay. Who is also from Charlestown. Him and Johnny grew up together. Then CT's family moved to the North shore. Um, but they still kept in touch. Um, and so like we had had like a script. We're like, all right, like we knew these kids were going to go to a mental hospital and they were going to go to this rave and they were going to take some Molly, but like maybe it isn't Molly and like something horrific is going to happen. And then there's this like masked figure that's like controlling them. That's not the synopsis at all, but like that's what we based it off of. That was this, the seed of the idea. That, is that? Yeah, that is the seed of the idea. And like to read you the more recent, you know, as I'm out here writing the press release, it's basically uh, the film centers around a group of young people that's uh, drugged up and ready to party. And Johnny just texted me as I'm saying this. Uh, but their plans quickly turn to chaos of the worst kind. As a viewer, you're hit with vivid hallucinations, lured down decrepit hallways, riddled with uh, with abandonment and way more. It's a bloody mess that straddles insanity and consciousness through which we through which we deliver a powerful message and want to share it with Massachusetts before the rest of the world. So basically, that same storyline exists. You know, uh, kids go to rave kids get high kids get high off shit that they don't know what it is and really 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 like bad shit happens um you know it looks gory as fuck it is and a lot of that same symbolism is to represent an overdose it's to represent right. the madness and the mayhem that is you know brought upon by active use and now it's crazy because we started it in 2016, but now in 2019 with the fentanyl everywhere, legit in everything, like I, mm -hmm. it is in, it's e in everything. everything where it's no longer safe to use like drugs. Like I know kids that I've been in AA and fucking like NA with that have literally like gone back out just to like get high once fucking overdose. So yeah, that you know, that narrative we have worked into the film, you know, there is the main storyline of the raid, but then there are two other storylines as well that are not touched upon in the trailer, really, where we highlight, you know, the treatment of patients in mental hospitals, the opiate epidemic, you know, population control, all of these subtle things in our society that are relevant right now. It's just told through horror, but all of the issues in the movie, all of the messages are all very real. And it's cool, like, we filmed it at Westboro State Hospital and at Tewksbury Hospital. Um, both are, uh, well, Westboro's been abandoned since the 80s, um, and we had access to the whole entire hospital. It was pretty wild. We filmed in, like, the middle of winter, which, as you know, in Massachusetts is fucking brutal. <laughs> um, and then uh, the hospital at Tewksbury, they have some abandoned aspects, but then they have a live um, inpatient there. And we actually filmed in the live hospital and in the abandoned buildings. They also filmed Slenderman there, Manchester by the Sea, 
Um, so it's like a very well-used, well-known location for movies. But it took three years. I mean, it, it, it premieres in Showcase Cinemas October 18th to the 31st. So we got like a two-week run. And then we'll, they, they will reevaluate. It's almost like a market test almost where like there's going to be five showings a day and then it'll kind of get like re-evaluated to where it has the most success. And then, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. It's obviously, it will be available on streaming services, but I don't know when yet. Um, it really all depends on the theatrical run. But what started out is an idea. And then, you know, we got investor and everything like that. And, uh, you know, we filmed the first chunk of it and then we had to go watch it all and we had to do a bunch of reshoots and then we did the premiere last year in October and then we got a bunch of feedback from that and then had to do more reshoots and now like what it's evolved into over the course of the three years um, is really something else. Um, and it is more of a psychological thriller than horror. Um, you know, it's definitely a movie that like you have to pay attention to. It's not just like a mindless horror movie. Um, but you know, we are, uh, we're very excited about it. It is pretty surreal. I can say, um, to like be sitting here and like talking to you about it <laughs> because, you know, I've been asking you about this movie for a while. Yeah. I've been waiting for this to come out. And like, hopefully you understand now how it is. Like, it's a little hard to explain, but like the process you know, unless you're a major studio, it, you you have to hustle a lot of this on your own. And like Johnny had the experience from Oxymorons and a lot of the connections. But, you know, we're working with a production house from Los Angeles, um, Sugar Studios. Um, they are unbelievable. They are extremely talented for all the color correction and the scoring and the storyboard editing. And so it really is a big collaborative project. And like, you know, uh there's a lot there's a lot that goes into bringing it from just just from on the script to on the movie set is one thing but then you think to bring that to like a production quality where you know a huge corporation will take your film and run with it i mean we did shoot it in imax quality on a uh, red and the hospitals have this like haunting like beauty to them as well um you know so they it looks really well shot. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, you, but yeah, no, it looks it looks beautiful. The, the cinematography looks great. Yeah, which is which is one of the main things that like for us was a big strong point the whole time is we knew that no matter what people are going to watch it just cuz it was filmed on location. Like there's no such thing if you watch American Horror Story or anything like that, that's filmed in a warehouse. That's not filmed in an actual mental hospital. Very I think the only other movie that's well known is session nine and that was filmed up in uh at danvers um but uh yeah besides that um there's not not too much that's actually filmed on location um so yeah it uh it certainly was a journey and like that you know will obviously be highlighted through a lot of the press tour that we do and everything um but yeah, this is definitely like the most that it's been talked about. And it's so hard to explain because you get people asking, when's the movie finished? When's the movie finished? And like, it's not finished until you're un until you know it is. And uh, until your ass is in the seat watching it in a theater. <laughs> yeah. And like, and even then, dude, like we had to have the final cut done by September 16th, which isn't that long ago. So I've actually right. only seen 
I've only seen a version that was done back that was finished in July. So it's the it's the picture locked version. So the sh the shots are all the same, but there was wasn't a lot of scoring or audio effects or color correction. So I actually will not see the finished product until the premiere, which is like kind of cool also because like I've seen the movie like a thousand times and it still never gets old, but like I haven't seen it all the way finished. So it's still like not real in a way. Um, so that's kind of cool. I mean, it is crazy to drive on like Route 24 and see like the billboards up. They're actually right at the Bridgewater. They got exit. billboards out? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. That's sick. We got, nice. We got billboards up, the trailers and showcase cinemas, and the movie posters are in there. So like that is just like, okay, but like it's still um, – it's still progressing and uh, it just, it does take a lot of work. You know, we had like, especially when you don't have a major studio behind you, like all those movies, like it chapter two, right? The budget on that was like 110 mil or whatever it is. Then like the P and a budget alone is like 30 mil to run promos on TV and the internet and Facebook and everything. Like we had nowhere close to that. I can't disclose the amount, but it's like not even remotely, not even a percent almost of that. So like when, you know, but like hopefully anybody that's listening to this and just like with you starting your podcast as well, like if you want to make something happen, dude, like you have to, you just have to fucking. Yeah. You just have, nobody's going to do it for right. you. <laughs> you got to will it into existence. And like, dude, you've seen over the years how many things I've, tried my hand at that like straight up did not work out and like that's just i think all part of the journey to like make when this happens you know like to just make it more reassuring for people and like dude like it's really not rocket science like we live in the age of information where you can research anything online and figure out how to do it it's just like how bad do you want it and like how far are you willing to go um you know like when you do something like this in a project, you're not only investing money, but you're investing your time, which is money also and like equity and everything like that. So, uh, there's no right way to do it. And like, if my ass can, like literally anybody can, you know what I mean? And that's, that's just kind of, uh, you know, like hopefully this is, um, I mean, obviously like this is what the outcome's supposed to be like, you know, part of me is surprised with it because like this is certainly an accomplishment, but like the other part of me is like, well, this is what you're supposed to do. Like when you make a movie, it's supposed to go there and it's supposed to make money, like depending on what level you're making it at. Um, so hopefully with like, you know, especially everything happening right now up here in Massachusetts and we're hitting it at a good time, like October 18th, like really the only other movie in theaters worth seeing then is the Joker movie, which is like, not even on the same level as ours, obviously. Like, right. But, like, the fact that our trailer will be playing before that is just, you know, that's all we can ask for, really. Um, and it is, you know, it's an independent movie, and it's just, it's something different for everybody. Like, you know, it's very open to interpretation. It's so hard to talk about this without, like, giving anything away. <laughs> like... Well, now I guess I just assumed. Are you're a producer? I'll, I'll say it in the intro. But are you a producer on the movie? What, uh, what's your actual yeah, so title? Yeah, like I have like nine different credits in it. Um, 
I am producer, first assistant, director, associate editor, co-writer. I act in it. Um, I saw you in the trailer. Production coordination <laughs> supervisor. I mean, you can get all all technical with the wording and everything, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of this, like to have this much, um, you know, like besides Johnny and CT, I'm the only other person that's been involved since like that. Well, actually, even since before CT was involved, so you know. We've been involved with this script since freaking July of 2016, and now it's October of 2019. And like you know, I'm still. Most movies from big studios have a professional, and not that I'm not a professional, but like I'm sitting here in my sober house making the billboards, like and right. the like trailer and the movie poster and everything. So like, um, you know, like it's really. It's really interesting just to have watched it and to have been a part of it. Like, you know, and that's kind of the attitude that I had the whole time is, look, even if this, if this, like, if we get one night to premiere it, like we've still, we've still done way more than the average person ever will. And like, you know, so many people have ideas and they want to do this and they want to do that. But like, until you actually put it into action, that I, that idea is fucking useless so right um you know like just like with you starting the podcast like most like i hear so many people or they'll approach me and be like dude i have an idea for a movie or like dude we should start like a podcast about that and it's just like you know like are are you gonna actually do it like because like <laughs> that's um that's the hardest part it's hard to put yourself out there um in anything we're going to have to come up with a podcast idea for when I come back and oh, I move back east. We're, we're going to do one each week. Dude, <laughs> for I would sure. Love to we'll come up that. with an yeah. idea. Which is, um, yeah, so. No, we'll talk about that after. But I, I did want to ask you, so yeah. you guys shot in an actual mental institution. We did. We shot, so, a, we shot at Westboro State Hospital, which has been closed since 1987 um, for people that really – this is just an interesting fact. So in Massachusetts in the 80s, there's an act, the De-Institutionalization uh, de Act. Blech. It's a mouthful. It, it happened in multiple states around the country. But uh, Governor, I believe it was Dukakis at the time, uh, Mass was not getting a federal grant for their roads. So the highways were severely suffering and they need federal money to work on interstate highways. Um, so there had been reports of mistreatment at lots of hospitals. It's like a very common thing you see in any like paranormal show or anything or any movie portrayal. Like of lobotomies and lobotomies, electric, the electroshock, electroshock, rape, every like literally like the worst thing you can think. And Right, like doing it to people who are not capacitated to like process. That. I don't know why I'm. I'm sitting here smiling as you're saying that. I don't know if you can see me, but smile. No. I don't know why I'm smiling. <laughs> <Just, laughs> I'm like, why the fuck am I smiling as he's saying this right now? Well, just probably because you're like, how is he so like lucid and like able to actually like? Yeah, it's probably why you're just fucking. You're not used to me in this capacity. It's probably it. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah anyway you fucking weirdo <laughs> um they uh anyway so they uh the federal government was like if you close down all your mental hospitals we'll give you the money for this essentially is the long story short which when you close down a bunch of hospitals for the criminally insane where do they end up the prison system so i think right. coincidence in that and we do talk about it a little bit in the movie um it's not like a huge undertone but like it's certainly certainly discussed so westboro literally in like uh you'll have i mean there's there's if you follow the instagram at habitual movie or mine at k shaper media or whatever you can see a ton of the behind the scenes where like this place was literally left the same exact way as it was in 1987 it's like a 200 year old hospital so it literally just looks like everybody packed up all their shit and walked out, which is exactly what happened. Just like last week where they told us we can no longer buy jewel pods, like every like gas station just let there's n- there's n- no more pods just like that. <laughs> it's like that, but with people. And uh, so like when we were filming there, dude, like, I don't know what if if you believe in like energy or anything like that, like. Places can hold a certain energy, like, based on what happened there. Like, you go to, like, a prison. Like, when I worked on Ghost Adventures, we would, you know, one of the places we went to was the Ohio Reformatory, where they filmed the Shawshank Redemption. And, like, that was one of the most, like, violent, like, prisons in the country. And, like, when you're there, you can feel it. You you start to get, like, like... You start to get like pissed off and like angry and everything. And so this had kind of that same ambiance where like you're walking through these halls and these rooms and like you don't got to be a very good actor to be freaked out here. Like it's it's this creepy ass place with no electricity with like fucking asbestos, like black mold, everything. Like we had the production like trailers and everything, but there's no electricity in there. So we're in there. And, like, dude, the place is, you know... And that's actually a kind of cool thing, too. Um, Having worked on paranormal shows, I was, like... This was, like, a fucking, like, dream come true. Filming a movie about, like, EDM in, like, a paranormal location. Um, And that's kind of where, like, a lot of my expertise just kind of came in as to, like, why we should use this place. Because just visually on camera, like, there is, like a beauty to it it's like a haunting like like beauty and like it's really crazy to think that like people were in there like not too long ago either like and we would find old patient records and like like old like medicine and everything and like uh, just all sorts of just shit that like is not supposed to be there but is and you know uh there's a crematorium there because it's next to a reservoir so they couldn't bury any of the bodies so they had to burn them all and it's just like it's uh it's crazy um so but certainly being on location like that makes the movie just that much more intense because like you realize like wow they're not in front of like a green screen and we don't use any computer generation computer generated imaging in the entire movie all of the gore and all of that is all like practical effects which is a very it's like an art on its own like there's not many movies that do that if you saw like it 
chapter two, it's all fucking CGI. The movie's still okay, but like Pennywise ain't that scary when his head, like it's just like, it's just. When it's a dude in a green screen. Right. And like the whole. Right. And like, yeah, like to fit the, the story, but like I saw the movie Scary Stories, which was a PG-13 movie, but it's all practical effects and it's i haven't seen that yet is it good it's so good it's so 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 good and it's all practical so like the things like the practical effects give it i think like subconsciously i know when i watch something if it's like practical effects and makeup on the actual like actor it just it just adds a certain realism versus the cgi where you're just like oh that's not real like it's not scary because it's not real well, and like you said too, you've got it's not hard to act in a place that's already and then you're probably with the fact that there's no electricity, there's people are disoriented, you don't know what's going on. And so that just adds to the whole, you know, ambiance, I think, of the movie. Um even if you watch the trailer, you can see like, you know, it's it's there's not a lot of effects or anything like that that you guys used. You guys did a really good job on the trailer as well. So I don't know if that was you or somebody else. That but. was um, Sugar Studios in LA. They so like it's it's a it's a collaborative effort where like you know they'll like these homies. That's all they do is cut movie trailers for like massive movies that we've all watched, like Fast and the Furious and like all of that. Like they are professionals. Um, you know, the audio engineer, Brett Mazur, that scored the trailer is the lead singer from Crazy Town. Um, oh, okay. So he he scored the entire movie. And he just did, with horror, the scoring is like the most important part. Um, and so like to have these people, like the same editor that edited this, this guy, Paul, uh, Paul, Paul, Puel is from Quincy, worked on Oxymorons with Johnny, and then worked on this with us. And now he lives in Los Angeles, and this is what he does full time. So there's there's a lot of th- how the movie was made and how it came to be is almost like as interesting as the actual movie. Um, and with the trailer, that's something where like we started with one a year ago. I mean, like, I cut the first one, like, two years ago, and then they worked off that, and then they cut one, then I cut another one that got up to, like, 22,000 views on YouTube, then they took from that, and then they cut this one. So it's just all, like, it's a, it's a collaborative effort across the board. And, like, Johnny, like, I mean, talk about involved. Like, he just spent five weeks in L.A. over the summer, literally in, in I mean, in an editing bay with the editor hands on like that's what a true like director's supposed to do and like you know when we were working together on set it's it's so interesting how we filmed the movie because we filmed all the mental hospital stuff at Westboro first because they were actually knocking it all over so we only had like a couple months we had to get that shit right and then but all this the stuff with his character in the movie which is like the best acting in the whole movie i'm not just trying to like fucking like blow him up like it really is like it all happened later in the production so like we filmed a lot of the people because it's really amazing how this whole thing came together we put out an ad on craigslist you know we're a non-union movie we don't have a large budget um 
so we, you know, and like we hit up certain friends and everything, like people that we knew, but like the main actors in this movie have never acted in anything and they carry. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, dude. Like there are, dude, besides Johnny and Anthony Hong, who's been in the first Purge and um, Glass and a couple other movies, but. And I mean, like, I guess, like, CT, as far as, like, his, I mean, he's been on 20 years of reality TV, but nothing ever to this extent. Um, it's a lot of firsts. And uh, just to see these people, like, we did auditions in, like, a sketchy hotel room, like, me and him and, like, a camera, like, fucking, like, you know, like, casting couch. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> did you have anybody who did, like who wanted to do the movie and then found out where you were filming and was like, nah, fuck that. Like, this isn't for me or anybody freak out or anything like that. I would have been fucking freaking the fuck out the whole time. <laughs> yes. And like, literally I cannot say thank you enough to the actors in this movie and the production crew and everybody. We asked them to do, I mean, dude, you'll see the movie. We asked them to do insane things. Like there's a scene in the movie where two of the characters are being hauled by bear traps in the snow. And we literally filmed it. It was minus, minus 11 out with wind chill the, when we filmed it. And they're in oh, rave fuck. attire. Remember, they're going to a rave. So, like, right. they're not wearing fucking, like, Parkers. They're, like, in rave attire. And we have them laying in the snow covered in like blood like prosthetics are like freezing to them and like you know when you do a movie you have to shoot from one angle from the other angle from the other angle you have to do like a hundred takes of everything and like everything we would ask them yep 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 like we did not get resistance from anybody and i think that's because like johnny did such a good job when we were casting on being passionate about the vision and everything and like we provided a great environment to film in. We had like the trailers and everything. So people were like, we always made sure that the cast had food and coffee and smokes and like everything that they needed. Um, but like, you know, when push came to shove and we're filming some of these, you know, some of the parts of this movie at 3 a.m. inside of an abandoned mental hospital with like, like it's just, you know, the the rush that comes along with it is crazy on its own. Um, but I think for a lot of people, like this is obviously a great thing to put on resume, um, IMDB, whatever, but also just to be a part of like, now that we have the premiere, like, dude, like this movie's premiering at showcase at Patriot place, like in like, I, like, that's a huge accomplishment for anybody premiering anything. And it's not only going to do the one show, it's going to be in, you know, Revere, Lowell, Patriot Place, running five screenings a day for a couple weeks. Um, and like, so like, it's just to have people that like knew we were going to make this happen. And like, even when we did the premiere a year ago in IMAX, like that was freaking awesome. But I watched that version of the movie and I watched the one that we have now. And like, if anybody was there that's listening to this, if you liked that version that we had last year, that version could get 
put on TV tomorrow and it wouldn't impact the one that we have coming out. It's a totally different movie. So completely different. And what brought on, I um, this I don't know if you can say this or not, but what brought on the name change for um, the movie? So Is yeah, it- it's actually kind of funny. So the hat, well, a like Johnny, you're a Looney Tune, and he can't make up his mind. But no, um, the habit was the first one, or it was habit at first. Um, on IMDb, there's like a bunch of other movies named Habit. We're not the first one. <laughs> like, uh... Honestly, we're not. So then it was The Habit. Because like there is like, you'll see in the movie, Habit, hab- like th- that, that word resonates with people's behaviors and certain characters' backstories and everything. Um, and it's just a cool name, honestly. Um, so then we changed it to raving lunatics for a little bit because like oxymorons, raving lunatics, like the same, uh, gotcha. it's kind of like a weird title. It kind of fits Johnny's style, but then like, it's so hard with this stuff, dude. Cause like the average American consumes at an eighth grade level, which is not very high. So like, you know, we learned this within the, with the first screening of the movie too, that like, it's really easy for me to sit there and watch the movie and know exactly what's happening. Cause I was there for, I fucking helped write it and I was there for every frame of production. So like, I know it and Johnny knows it, but like, do you, who doesn't know a single thing about it, understand that how that character knows that one? Like, no, it's really hard. So like when we did the name change, we're like, Oh, that's a cool name. And then like, dude, nobody is going to understand that besides us. So then Habitual, there's no other movie with that title. It really goes along with like, you can put that word in front of a lot of things. Like it relates to drug addiction. It relates to repeated behavior, like a habit or like a habitual offender or something like that. And if you look, my mind went immediately to when I saw it, I liked the name better than the habit i didn't know what you, you know that you had switched it to another name before that um but when i first heard habitual my thought was like you know ritual like a ritual sacrifice or something so like that's where my mind went as well so um yeah i, I was digging the name change so that's why i was wondering about yeah, it yeah and and it's it's done really well i really like i'm actually going to use that in my interviews from here on out ritual uh, yeah, that's it's you know. actually kind of funny. There's a movie on Netflix right now called The Ritual. It's trash, but I watched it that night and I was texting Johnny, and then like the next day he's like, "Yo, name change, habitual." So <laughs> mm. I think you're on because that's kind of I was okay. So because well, that's that's immediately where my mind went was like habitual. Like yeah, you can put it with it still fits with within what you're trying to do with the movie. But then I saw you know and and, ritual, and that, so that is a very good point. Cool. And I will say that with going to raves and stuff like for so long, the hardest part about recovery for me is like unlearning those rituals, like trying to get high before right. you like edit or like you know if you're going to the Patriots, like you get fucking wrecked before it. Or like before you head to a concert, you get a whole bunch of coke or fucking ecstasy, whatever. Those rituals that we have in that we have in place now in 2019 are no longer the same as they were 10 years ago. You can't, you don't know what's out there. You don't know what's in 
your shit. And like, unless people use substances the right, well, not the right way, but like consciously by like purchasing a test kit or something online, like, you know, I've learned in this whole journey that like you cannot you cannot control somebody else like if somebody else wants to go get high it's going to happen and they 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 have to let that happen and they have to learn on their own so like part of the thing i will preach is like bro if you're like going to go do it you might as well like know what's in your shit right like you might as well right, pay 20 bucks and get a test kit online versus over like you know and like that that might be a controversial thing to say but like you can't control other people so like it's just yeah. Now, have you guys talked about because this is a pretty specific you know, horror movie, and I know now with Jordan Peele doing like Get Out and Us with those different themed, um, you know, psychological thriller horror type things. Have you guys talked about maybe doing a similar? You know, you've got like the EDM rave scene. Have you talked about doing so, anything else and blending it with as- horror? Uh, yeah, so as far as like a sequel or other movies, um, you know, there's certainly a certain. S- uh, I gotta be careful here. <laughs> um, there are characters in this movie, both physical and both both tangible and intangible that can be carried into other movies for sure. Um, you know the substance that they use what it really is i can't say you'll have to watch the movie but we do go into it pretty clearly it's like a it's like something that the the mental hospital used to manufacture and that's what the kids end up getting a hold of instead of Uh, okay but they don't know that so it's it's a fictional substance in a sense but you know, all signs point to fentanyl, but like it really isn't. It's like a hyper hallucinogenic that the patients used to, that this hospital used to use on their patients. So like that alone, that can be transferred to before this movie and after this movie. And like the hallucinations cause the patients to see a certain thing. So that certain thing can also be transferred pre and post movie. Um, you know, we have certainly built with one of the characters too, like a horror icon almost. You kind of see him in the trailer. I can't really give away too much, but the creature with the um, mask on. Um, mm-hmm. It's an old, like, it's actually, the inspiration from that comes from the the plague mask that the doctors used to wear in like the 1500s and shit. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen those long nose. So it's like a a leather face version of that. That's about all I can say of it. But um, you know, we've created something that definitely could be marketable, um, and everything like that. Uh, So that's something where you know there's a lot of factors, but like either way, we can carry this on. Um, You really got to see the movie to kind of you know. There's um it's very open-ended and open to interpretation. You know, there's kind of like a triple ending almost like one part ends and another part ends and one more part ends to kind of wrap it all together. So like you really, 
that's where like it's really up to an interpretation like we know how it's supposed to end but it leaves it open uh for everybody also so sweet so we'll start kind of wrapping it up here shortly but i had a couple more yeah. questions i just wanted to finish up with so i know i've known you for a while we're both big fans of horror movies um what are some of you know since this is technically a halloween themed yeah. episode what are some of the movies that you kind of looked to for inspiration for you know sure. either like scenes that you acted in or in scenes that you know you yeah you for sure had written um, or, or yeah you know. no i mean a lot of the kill so like we went into this movie um you know both me and johnny are huge horror fans also so like i said the rave scene from blade was a huge inspiration oh, right just because it's with the like blood raining from the fuck it's just it's wild and like when i first watched it i was like i was like oh my god um and they're bringing blade back i know with um marshall which i think yeah. is fucking perfect <laughs> he's dope yeah he's, he's gonna an kill amazing it. actor so i'm all for that uh maybe they'll hit us up to direct the rave scene um but uh <laughs> you know as far as that there's a lot of like i said it's very psych thrillery um very like the shining for sure as far as like you don't know in that movie what is a hallucination of his mind or what is actually happening you really don't know it's open to your interpretation um you know some of those questions get answered in the new one they got coming out uh, uh dr sleep with you and mcgregor yeah, I've read good. the book by so I've read every Stephen King novel that's ever been pretty much like eighty something of what he's ever written. So like, in case you're wondering why I'm so fucked up, that's probably <laughs> a good uh, thing. But you know, also like Rob Zombie's films, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. There's a certain, you know, especially you look at House of a Thousand Corpses. The production value is not amazing. The budget was not huge. <laughs> But the terror, the slow torture of the certain people in it, the speeches. And the characters. It's the characters. And it's like Otis, Mm -hmm. you know, Otis talking to the cheerleader about his theories of the world before he he wheels in, you know, what's his name? Merman. Merman, right. Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute, (laughs) right. Um, it's, It's, you know, it's the end of the movie. It's... It's her getting picked up by Captain Spaulding, thinking she's okay, only for like baby mm-hmm. Firefly to pop out. R.I.P. Right, I know, dude. Sid Haig, R.I.P. And like, dude, have honestly, you seen Three from Hell? No, I heard it was not. So like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm gonna like the movie because I love Rob Zombie. I like all of his movies, dude. Halloween, Lords of Salem, Thirty One, The Devil's Rejects, House of a Thousand. They are all because I've I. Rob Zombie is probably one of the biggest overall inspirations because I'm, he's A from Massachusetts. His music I listened to since I was so young. His whole kind of like creative mind and how things in the movies come from his like music. Just everything that he does is original. And so that's what we tried to go for here. We're like, dude, I can't compare this to another movie because there, there isn't anything like it. Um certainly so yeah i'll say the zombie movies the shining um and 
you know, kind of just the psych thrillers, things like, uh, I mean, certainly as far as like the new, like it, not chapter two, but the first one that they came out mm -hmm. with is just, again, just like the characters that they build, the storyboarding, the cinematography, you know, anything like that, that really is just like, you know, there, the, there is definitely emotional connection built with the characters in this, which is hard to do with horror, especially when you only have like an hour and 40 minutes and you do like, I mean, it, it chapter two is two hours and 50 minutes, but that's because of the level of movie it is. People are going to go and watch that no matter what, even if they hate it. Right. This, you know, with it being, we only have a certain amount of time to tell the story and to tell it coherently. So, you know, leading up to it, um, and just in general, like, and to kind of look at where Jordan Peele fell short, I don't think his movies are that good. I think there's too much of a mm -hmm. racial undertone. I get it. it. We're living in very confusing times for 2019. Like, there shouldn't be a race issue anymore, but there still is. And so, like, I get what he's trying to do, but, like, Johnny and I watched the follow-up movie, um, like, Us, which got, like, 98% mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes and everything. And, like, yes, it is creepy. The violence in it is well made the cinematography's awesome like it's a well-made movie it's not a 98 percent, but it's a well-made movie but like i can instantly pick apart every hole in that like plot like where did all these people come from how did the government make them where did they get like food they just ate like rabbits for 30 years like what there's just like so many holes in that plot that take away from how scary it is so like right. we watch things like that and that's kind of the cool thing about the movie too is it's like i said there's hallucinations like you in the audience watching our movie when they start hallucinating you start hallucinating because of how we portray it there's very few movies that have, right. ever, that have ever like done that requiem for a dream definitely like one of the biggest influences for this you know, when she's mm, in that room, it's a great movie if you haven't seen when it. she's watching the TV and she's all freaking like cracked out, like that's an accurate representation of what it's like to be. I thought you were going to say that we want ass to ass scene. No, that's me. And that's our inspiration. <laughs> but, um, no, but like that's an, and like, dude, like talk about the obsession, right? Like when fucking right. what's his name at the end, um, when uh, Jared Leto is literally injecting into an abscess on his arm. Like mm -hmm. that is the obsession that comes along with active use. You already know the consequences and the consequences aren't enough for you to stop. So what is mm -hmm. like, what is enough? And that is literally one of the clothing, li closing lines of the movie is very similar to that. It's like, why is the fear? Like, uh, I can't, but uh, it's that same type of message. Just like, what is it going to, what is it going to take for you to stop? And I know the answer to that, but I think asking the question to a lot of people is how we can enact change. Like, I know what it took me to stop, and I have friends that I know what it took them to stop. But everybody's so individual that I think it's just a question worth asking. It's not an easy one to ask. It's not an easy one to answer. But the more we normalize it and make it not such a, a taboo subject, it's the only way that people are going to feel like they have a chance of uh, maybe leaving that lifestyle. So 
So I'll finish up with this last question, and then we'll you know plug the plug the film and everything. So between you've worked on this now, you've worked on the the ghost Adventure, hunting show on Travel Channel, Adventures, and Par- Ghost Adventures, and Paranormal Challenge, which only got one season. So, yeah. So you've gone to a lot of scary, creepy locations, you know, insane asylums, yes. all that stuff. So do you have any good stories to finish on, like, of some paranormal shit that might have happened that, I mean, obviously, you know, it's 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 all hearsay, and, you know, it's just if, if you had any experience yeah, or anything no, like for that, sure. basically um, what I'm asking. So I'll start, I, I will list a few, because these are always fun to do, because um, I went into all of this when I first started working I used to love watching the paranormal shows. I never thought there was any substance to them. I thought it was all scripted and this and that, blah, blah, blah. So it all like traces back to when I first started working on with the Travel Channel is realizing that there's no script. <laughs> uh, that was kind of like an interesting one to wrap my head around. And then like watching the first episode actually get filmed, being on location, watching them get locked into a thing for 12 hours with no human interaction at all. Like unless there is an emergency, there are police and EMT like on site, but it there's like a whole laundry list of things that like you're only allowed to like open up if this happens. So learning that was kind of like, all right, word. So um, Eastern State Penitentiary in downtown Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, they filmed Law Abiding Citizen there. They filmed Transformers there. They filmed countless TV shows there. Um, it was built by like Benjamin Franklin and the Puritans. So it's all individual jail cells with like a little light in the ceiling so you could repent for your sins. That's the point of a penitentiary is to repent. Um, and that place just... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's where, that's where it comes from the Puritan lingo from like the 1700s. Um, so going down in the solitary confinement cells there was the first time that as clear as day as I am talking to you, I heard my name whispered in my ear. Um, so that was on a recording followed by it's either I'm with the devil or I am the devil. Um, no, so my name wasn't on the recording that was. So that's really weird too because like if you don't know this, if you ever do an EVP session, electronic voice phenomena, you know, just because we can't hear certain audio frequencies doesn't mean that they don't actually exist. If you bring any recording into audio software, you can see the white noise, which is a frequency too high for the human ear to hear. Um, that's how they prove a lot of this. Same with ultraviolet light. We cannot see ultraviolet light, but it exists. It's there. It's been scientifically proven to be there. We just can't see it as humans. Um, So yeah, like having like my name whispered to me, things like that, like it's just unsettling. It's not scary to me because like we're made out of energy. It's definitely energy in the universe. So like until I'm proven otherwise, I will believe in that. Um, Being on set at the hospital too, one night we were filming pretty late. And so like, this is the weird thing too, where it's like what you hear versus what gets recorded. We had like an audio engineer and everything there. We could hear as plain as day, the what's going on over there? What are they doing? 
in female voices when there's only males in the room. Mm. It's just like, and the audio didn't pick it up. So like, it was like, well, it it did not pick it up so we could replay it. It picked it up as if it was in the room with us. As if like you recording me right. through your phone, not in the white noise where we'd all be able to hear it. It was like a casual, like, what are they doing? And so like, that's pretty, that's pretty freaky. I'm trying to think what else, like, you know, your mind plays a lot of tricks on you. Uh, you know, uh, it's called paradelia actually, which is when you think something's going to happen. So you hear it, right? Like you think hmm. you're going to hear a voice or a noise. So then you hear one and you're like, Oh my God, it's a spirit. But like, that's why you have to prove it through. Like, did you see something? Did the temperature like, like, uh, like, like change did, was there a spike in an electromagnetic field? There are ways to like scientifically quote unquote prove whether or not something happened. Um, and the word paranormal just means not normal. It doesn't mean haunted. It doesn't mean anything. It just means it's not par for the course. Um, so one night I was, we were going to film a, a character walking through the hospital and, you know, part of the whole approach was like, we'll just scare the shit out of them. So, like, I'll go hide in the hospital and, like, I'll just fucking pop out when I hear you coming around the corner. So, it's not like 10 o'clock at night. I couldn't bring, like, I brought my phone with me for a light, but that's it. Because I had to kind of, like, sneak away from the rest of the cast into the hospital. So, like, this person wouldn't be like, oh, where did he go? So I get all the way up to the third floor to the nurse's station where there are a bunch of like syringes just laid out with like patients' names on them and everything. I was like, ugh, this is fucking creepy. And Like uh, that had been left there? Yeah, yeah. They were just there. Not like, oh, not like brought in from Urban Explorers, not from us. They were just there, like labeled and everything. So it's just like, all right, we're like, this is, this is not good. And it's actually, we do have a shot of that in the movie. So... Because there's no one else there, you're on a property, there's no noise, you can hear everybody talking outside of the hospital, like outside of the building that we were in. So, you know, having worked on the show, I know what kind of like the telltale signs of paranormal activity are. And one thing is anything electronic you have on you, a spirit could hypothetically use the energy from that to help manifest. Because uh, that's where they believe spirits are, just pure energy. So uh, my cell phone was like fully charged up, like ready to rock, <laughs> like 50, not like fully charged, but like 50 something percent, whatever, um, enough juice. Um, and uh, I get upstairs, I go to the nurse station, I hide behind it. I take one picture and my phone fucking shuts off. And I'm like, great. Because hmm. like, I already know what's happening. So it just makes it worse because I'm like, great. Like phone was on 55%. Now it's on zero. Like just turned off. And it was freezing cold. Like it was cold enough as it is, but like freezing to the point. So like the moonlight would typically illuminate the halls a lot, even at night. I couldn't see a fucking hand in front of me. And I'm standing by a window. So I'm like, this is phenomenal. So I finally hear them coming up the stairs. I'm like, yes. I'm like, oh light 
And then the footsteps just stop. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, Russ. I'm like, Russ, I'm here. Like, this isn't fucking funny. And then I hear the cast laughing outside of the window, meaning there's no one in the fucking hospital with me. Mm. And I had no phone, no walkie-talkie, nothing. It was just me chilling by the moonlight. Nothing else happened after that. I did scare the fuck out of a poor cast member. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's just, again, when you're there, we weren't there maliciously. We weren't there doing anything negative, really. I think whatever might have been there was just more out of curiosity to be like, why are there people here where there haven't been in so long? Um, and I mean, nothing else really crazy happened. Again, we're you're so hyper-focused, but like, dude, when you're walking through that place alone, and I have videos of me walking through there alone, and like, there's just like a certain ambiance. There's a certain feeling that just like something wrong happened here. And uh, yeah, that's... um. Those are probably, again, to me, it's not scary. I think it's interesting because I'm fucking right. But uh, yeah, I've had one thing happen that was the only thing that I ever happened that was like slightly paranormal was a couple years back. I was still living on the East Coast. The Celtics were playing in the playoffs. I think they lost. I can't remember the whole situation, but eleven or twelve or something. Yeah, and so we had a a bunch of people over at at a house, and after they lost, everybody went on the front porch to smoke a couple blunts and shit. And so I had gone back into the house. It was me and one other girl in the house. There was nobody else in this house, and we were both in the living room, and it was an old, old house. You've seen some of those old houses in Brockton. And she was on one side of the room. I was on the other side of the room. And in between us, as clear as like I'm talking to you, yeah. we, we heard somebody say like, hey, or hello or something. And we both turned around. She looked at me thinking it was me. I looked at her because I knew it wasn't her. Yeah. It was like a clearly a man's voice. And we were both like, obviously, it wasn't either one of us. And that was my only experience with that shit. Yeah. So I just uh, figured out that. But I've yours is definitely more, more terrifying. I'm sure that I've like blocked them out of my memory because like some of them definitely weren't pleasant, especially from a few years ago but on the movie nothing really nothing really bad happened you know you'll have to there is certainly you can definitely certainly see the fear in people's eyes though when they were walking around the hospital it's pretty pretty solid acting so well the movie looks dope i'm excited to see it um can you i mean where can people see it i mean is it just limited release for now and then as of right now for two weeks we are waiting to hear back from national amusements i think the premiere in the first week is going to have a lot um you know they are willing to put it in a lot more theaters um but for right now it'll be october 18th to 31st showcase cinemas revere lowell in foxborough um you can follow it on Instagram at Habitual Movie for tickets and showtime, showcasecinemas.com. Just put Habitual in the search bar. Um, and like, I'm pretty active on Instagram with it at Cache for Media. And I know that you guys will be plugging it too. I can send you some graphic art so you have it for. Uh, for this. Yeah. Once we finish up, I'll have you. Once we're done recording, I'll have you stay on the call and we'll we'll talk for a second. Yeah. Um, Keith, thank you for coming on. Is there anything else you wanted to plug before no, you finish up? Just, just go uh, see the movie Habitual. No, dude, just uh, 
keep uh can people ask for it in their local theaters like can people yeah, tell so, their well, local theaters does that help or uh i'm sure it wouldn't hurt but we are gonna have it on streaming as well very shortly after that limited run still waiting to hear on that too again there's so many logistics when this stuff happens like it's really cool to learn about all this but like a lot of it's just like the we just we kind of have to see where this first run is going to take us you know hopefully if you're listening in massachusetts even if you can't make it or even if you're listening to it and just want to support please buy a ticket it's only 1450 <laughs> it really helps um and you know we'll have to do a follow-up one in november and see how it all goes and then i'll have some more answers for you so sounds good uh the movie is habitual um look for it everywhere he just said it on social media i'm not going to repeat it all again keith thank you so much for coming on um i'm glad that you're doing well you look you're really good so i'm glad that you're doing well and happy six and a half is it six and a half months six and a half it's actually i get seven months the night before the premiere which is awesome so nice yeah buddy we'll keep going with that and uh I'm just going to jump off the recording and we'll finish up here. Uh, Thanks for tuning in and tuning in next week to the Itty Bitty Podcast. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to the Itty Bitty Podcast. Um, As always, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Check us out on YouTube as well. We're now uploading on there. We don't have any video up yet, but we'll get that up soon. Uh, Make sure you get us on Twitter at Itty Bitty PCast, Instagram, Itty Bitty Podcast. We also have a new group on Facebook, so if you're a fan of the show, jump on there um, to get news about the show and look up the Facebook page as well. Um, And I will see you or talk to you next week. Peace.